It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, subscribe to the podcast if you appreciate this. Uh, it is very simple to do. There should be a button like right there. Yeah, like right there, right on the phone, right there. You hit subscribe and then you get the podcast. Or you can go to thepetecalendarshow.com and subscribe that way. And while you're there, you could also become a patron and then you get exclusive content and you get the satisfaction of knowing that I am able to purchase food today. Um, and I will also give a shout out to patrons who help make my grocery purchases possible. Folks like Eric and Ray, Lori, Rick, Ben, Tammy, Ann, Mark, Thigpen, Grant, David, and Cindy. Thank you very much. They became patrons. You can as well. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. So let me start here with a story out of the Washington Post that uh, headline, uh, this was, what, two days ago, Democrats pushed hard last year to rein in police. A rise in homicides is prompting a shift. (laughs) So in case you're not aware, um, they are shifting. They're trying to shift the narrative now, as I think anybody uh, could really decipher. And it's funny that this headline occurs. And then we saw what we saw in the White House press briefing where Jen Psaki uh, now is trying to reframe the uh, Republicans as the true defunders of the police. This is how you know that this issue has become toxic for Democrats. It is really bad. I have no access to inside polling, internal polling or anything like that, but I can watch what they're doing in public And when they do what they are doing, it's quite obvious that this is a very bad issue for them and has been. So here is how the Washington Post starts off its story the other day. A year ago, a majority of the Minneapolis City Council pledged to disband the police department. At protests around the country, left-wing activists chanted, defund the police. And in New York City, an insurgent liberal who embraced that slogan ousted a longtime Democratic congressman. But now President Biden is inviting local governments to use federal money to fund police departments and hire more officers. The Democratic mayor of Minneapolis now wants to replenish his city's police force and a former policeman running on a law and order platform is leading as the votes are counted in the Democratic primary for New York mayor. 13 months after the police killing of George Floyd sparked an impassioned movement in the Democratic Party to rein in police departments, a surge in homicides has prompted a shift in the opposite direction. Democrats are scrambling to make new investments in policing and seeking to project toughness on crime, even as they continue pushing for police reforms and alternative means of deterring crime. This should be obvious. I've highlighted it now. And uh, with the Washington Post big write-up, this had actually one, two, three different reporters uh, contributing to it. This is a big push. They are very, very worried about uh, how they're going to get tagged as anti-cop in the upcoming election. 
and rightfully so, because you don't get to spend almost two years playing footsie with the defund the police radicals and then pretend that you're the party of the police. No one's buying this. Well, I take that back. There probably will be some stupid people who do buy it, yes. <laughs> there there are always people willing to uh, to swallow it whole. In fact, I've got a, a post here <clears throat> from crooksandliars.com who are always willing to swallow whatever the Democrats try to force upon them. So uh, we'll get to that in a, in a minute. Uh, now in control of the White House, the Washington Post reports, uh, the Congress and, and most big cities... Democrats have struggled to contain the deadly violence this year, which is expected to worsen as the summer progresses. They're facing a barrage of criticism from Republicans who are portraying Democrats as soft on crime as part of a coordinated strategy. It's always, see, Republicans are always about the coordinated strategy. Democrats and the left never engage in a coordinated strategy. I mean, all evidence to the contrary, of course, you know, things like Blueprint NC, literally called a blueprint, <laughs> and they all uh, signed on to, and they all got copies of, and then they all went about implementing. That's that's not really coordination. That's just simply, you know, crafting a plan that everybody follows in unison. That's all. Um, but I find this interesting. This is sort of a, um, a Republican's pounce kind of uh, perspective that's through this lens. You know, they're facing a barrage of criticism from Republicans. Oh, they're facing a barrage of criticism from everybody because Democrats own this issue. They do. This is their fault. They are the ones in charge of the cities and have been for years. The Republicans don't field any candidates, for the most part, in any of these big cities any longer that have a viable shot of winning. So, Yes, this is all this is all on you guys. You want to be in complete control of the cities in America. You've got it. And when you are obviously incapable of containing crime, you're going to get all of the blame for that. That's the trade off when you, you know, punt one political party out so they can't uh, they can't have any influence. That means you have to take all the responsibility. But. This is kind of hard because last year they saw essentially their own voters, you know, rioting in the streets and breaking all these laws and breaking all these business windows and such. And so they were like, oh, we don't want to arrest them. They're our people. These are our voters, you know. And so they just let them skate. And that then sends the message that the leaders of these cities, the Democratic officials, they don't care about crime. They don't care about keeping a downtown area safe and clean. They, they, they don't care about the businesses that are trying to operate. So that message went out and message received. Criminals were like, fantastic. Let's go engage in what we engage in, specifically crime. <laughs> That's what they do. These trends have alarmed Democrats at all levels from the White House, where Biden recently delivered his first major speech on fighting crime, where he blamed guns. That's the real reason. So they're, so they're blaming guns. And this becomes important in a minute, because I've got a soundbite here from the press briefing with Jen Psaki. Um, but they, he, he blamed it on on guns, the, the rising crime rates. Um, voters are rallying behind crime-focused candidates in early primaries, and it also um, has alarmed... Uh, people uh, or uh, Democrats, um, House members, Democratic House members 
quote, who are bluntly warning liberal colleagues to tone down their attacks on law enforcement. <laughs> but you see, this is a Republican thing. See, Republicans are anti-cop, don't you Don't you know? Yeah, they've become anti, anti-cop. That's why the Democrats are telling their liberal colleagues to tone down the anti-cop rhetoric. This is the bizarro world and uh, th- that we are in. And this is a form of mental abuse. This is gaslighting. And I know people use that term for everything now, but this is like textbook definition gaslighting. Democrats have been engaged in a particular um, battle, right? They have used specific words to engage in that battle. And now that they have lost the advantage and they think they're going to be punished for those positions and that rhetoric. Now they're going to tell you that you're insane. You didn't hear us say that. No, no, we've actually been saying the complete opposite. It's those other people over there. They're the ones who are actually defunding the police. Yeah, it's the Republicans. They're the ones that that hate cops. Yeah, this is this is textbook gaslighting. Now, if you're looking for textbook roofers, Balkan Roofing. These guys are so awesome. Balkan Roofing is so great. They've actually won multiple awards. They keep winning awards. The President's Award. GAF is the uh, country's leading roofing materials manufacturer. Okay. And Balkan was awarded the President's Club Award uh, in 2018, in 2019, in 2020. And 2021 is about to be announced. Fingers crossed. Although we're pretty confident (laughs) they're going to win it again. And for perspective... Less than 2% of roofers even qualify for this award. And they've won it three straight years, looking at a fourth, okay? This is an award you earn, okay? It's not one you're given. Uh, it's not one that you can, like, buy your way into. You earn this from GAF. Um, and so go give them a call. Have Balkan come on out. They'll take a look at your roof. And if you need repairs, they'll hook you up. And if you don't, they'll tell you that. And if you do need a new roof, you can get one for as low as $69 a month with financing from Balkan. Here's the number 6280390 6280390balkanroofing.com. And uh, remember tell them that you heard it here on the show. I appreciate that. Um all right, so these trends of uh people moving more towards pro policing or a, a public safety type of a campaign or message, it has alarmed Democrats at all levels. You notice this doesn't alarm Republicans. That should be the first tell that there's one party that enjoys this reputation as the law and order party, which also I would point out is one of the reasons why Democrats keep hammering away on the uh, January 6th riot at the Capitol. It's because they think this helps them build a narrative, a counter narrative that the Republicans are the ones who hate cops. See, look what they did. Look what they did. And again, for context, there had been a year of violent rioting and protesting and demonstrating throughout America. And I would submit the new normal became this is acceptable behavior. And I don't think Democrats are in any position to lecture anybody about behavior of riotous mobs because they turned a blind eye in many cases they were i mean our own vice president contributed and solicited money for the bail for violent uh insurrectionists in minneapolis so yeah i mean because that's what they are right if all i mean all these riots are forms of insurrection i called them that when they were happening a, a year ago 
I, I labeled it before January 6th ever happened, and everybody was like, it's an insurrection. Before any of that, I called it what it was, Antifa, Black Lives Matter. When you're, when you're trying to destroy the pillars of the society, the infrastructure that props up our civilization, when you're trying to tear those things down violently like this, that's what that activity is. So uh, liberals and activists alike, uh, they respond that the jump in violent crime is caused not by holding police accountable, but by the widespread availability of guns. Few jurisdictions have actually overhauled their police departments, they say, and there's no evidence that the crime is higher in those that have done so. But still, the defund the police, not a good phrase, not a good slogan. Representative Sherry Bustos, Democrat from Illinois, who ran the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee when Republicans picked up 13 House seats over the uh, two-year 2020 election cycle, she said, quote, defund police is a phrase that I wish I had uh, that I wish had never been uttered. I wish had never been uttered. That is not exactly a... Uh, an endorsement. <laughs> right? Yeah, that phrase has done a ton of damage to the left, to the Democrats. Uh, it got tagged on to um, Democrats running for state legislative races here in North Carolina. And it got tagged on Democrats running at the national level. And you're going to see more and more and more of it as we get closer to next year's midterm election as well. And uh, embracing police is hardly a path to democratic success, these activists argue. Quote, Manchin and company, Joe Manchin, uh, they be like defund the police costs us elections while actively sabotaging our democratic agenda, said Representative Cori Bush, a former Black Lives Matter activist. She said, quote, our movement was at the heart of the organizing that won us the 2020 elections. Now conservative Democrats want to block our progress. Um, part of me is like, Hey, you know what? Just, uh, you go, go all in on that. Go all in on that. Um, but I have another story here about the actual, um, beliefs that a lot of these voters have that don't actually line up with these progressive radicals. Many Democrats, the Washington post goes on to say later that many Democrats are now feeling a growing urgency to rebut the Republican attacks, especially in the battleground states. See, there you go. Democrats rebut. Democrats rebut. They don't, they don't pounce. They don't seize. Right? It's the Republican attack, and the Democrats are rebutting. See? Um, especially in the battleground states and districts in the House, the path to power runs through suburban areas where Democrats dominated during Donald Trump's presidency. Why, by the way? Why? Why did Democrats do so well during Donald Trump's presidency in the suburbs? Well, mean tweets, right? Donald Trump turned off a lot of suburban voters by the way he conducted himself. That stuff matters. It mattered a lot to more moderate white suburban moms. It mattered a lot. Um, Many of the centrist Democrats representing these districts were reluctant to discuss the issue this week. This is hilarious. Underscoring that it has not been favorable terrain for the party in recent years. One centrist Democrat who spoke on condition of anonymity said fellow Democrats must not shy away from talking about rising crime and the challenges facing police. <laughs> so... You have a Democrat centrist who's speaking on condition of anonymity 
but saying Democrats should not shy away from the issue. <laughs> That's right. Profile and courage and leadership right there, don't you think? <laughs> Uh, well, no, the rising crime is due to the guns. That's it. It's just due to guns. So if you could just, you know, keep, I don't know, promoting gun control and gun grabbing and all of that, then that'll reduce the crime. Sure. Um, in a sign of the careful balance Democratic leaders are trying to strike between independent voters and the Democratic base, Biden paired his pitch with a heavy focus on tightening gun regulations, a top priority for liberal activists. There is no one answer that fits everything Biden says. So here, even in their proposed solutions, right, they're still trying to placate the far left activist base. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said, quote, prominent voices on the left. All right. So prominent, <laughs> prominent voices on the left, including some of our colleagues, fanned the flames of a dangerously misguided experiment and law abiding Americans are paying the price. He's exactly right. Their denials now do not negate what they did over the last year. We all saw it. I'm not going to pretend that there was some other explanation out there for what was occurring at the time. We saw cops not responding. We know about the reports of the stand down orders. We saw as big city leaders let their cities burn because they didn't want to confront their base. We saw what happened. We heard the cries for defunding the cops and reimagining policing, labeling all the cops as the bad ones. ACAB, right? All cops are bastards. That's the, I mean, that's the Antifa slogan. We saw the way that Democrats refuse to call out these Antifa activists, right? Oh, well, are you, what, are you a pro-fascist then? Like, I haven't forgotten all of this. So it hadn't even been a year. So no, I'm, I'm too smart for your gaslighting. The White House is anticipating that violent crime will continue to increase this summer, according to one White House official, and the point of Biden's speech was to get ahead of that and make sure that the government is using and showcasing all of the tools at its disposal. So they anticipate violent crime is going to get worse as we roll through summer. So if they are already worried about this, and by the way, the polling shows that they are uh, they are right to be worried, but they're already worried about it, and it hasn't even gotten as bad as they expect it's going to get. They're in serious trouble, and that's why you're getting them trying. Uh, why we're seeing them trying to reframe all of this stuff as no, no, no. It's actually the Republicans' fault. It's the Republicans' fault for. The, the culture of criminality that has grown in big cities in America. For, this is the argument that they are advancing, and that it's actually Republicans who, are, or who have actually defunded the police. This is what they're arguing. I'm not kidding. I have the soundbite. We'll listen to it in a second. First, listen to this. Uh, 10% off your first rental at General Equipment Rental. You're welcome. Oh, I mean, I didn't have anything to do with that. Okay, that's totally their deal. But if you go to their website, generalrents.com, and you can check out the inventory, they've got the deal listed right there. But uh, they've got all sorts of equipment, you know, from small items, um, you know, air tools and compressors uh, to large power tools and scaffolding and earth movers, like all, I mean, just the whole, uh, the whole inventory is just 
large to small, all of this stuff uh, for rent. And they're going to show you how to use it so you can take it back to your home or your work site, use it for the project, and then bring it back to them. Or maybe you're in the market to buy some stuff like, like I am. I just bought a weed eater. Brand new weed eater. It's a Husqvarna battery operated one. Very excited to start cranking this thing up uh, at the new house. Uh, They also have chainsaws and trimmers and hedge clippers and blowers uh, for residential and commercial use, gas or battery powered. Go check out uh, the store. It's at uh, the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road in Weaverville. Family owned and operated for three generations. General Equipment Rental. GeneralRents.com and think outside your toolbox. All right, so here is the uh, exchange between the White House Press Secretary, Jen Psaki, and Peter Ducey from Fox News. Something one of the advisors said this weekend, Cedric Richmond, he said, Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill, could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat in communities across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. But at the time that was sold as uh, these local police departments might have a pandemic related budget shortfall, not we need to keep cops on the beat because there's a crime wave. Uh, I think that any local uh, department would argue that keeping cops on the beat to keep communities safe when they had to, because of budget shortfalls, fire police is is something that helped them address crime in their local communities. Local communities. The White House's argument was the American Rescue Plan is going to be $1,400 checks. It's going to be vaccines, vaccinators. uh, It's going to put us on the path to beating the virus, not... It did those things as well. It was a pretty good bill and piece of legislation. Okay, so for the uh, left-wing moonbats at crooksandliars.com, this is what they call it, uh, what is this? A Pisaki bomb. Get it? Like a Saki bomb? Yeah, so they're totally in love. Oh my gosh, it's Jen Pisaki. She's speaking squee! And they just think she totally owned Peter Ducey in this exchange. It's funny, too, because on the right, um, they think Ducey made her squirm with the questioning. She's gaslighting here, folks. So at the risk of stating the the obvious for the for the stupid people, I guess, defund does not mean what she is saying it means now. Okay? First off, there's the defund the police slogan. This was the slogan and this was the banner under which the leftists were marching. Defund the police meant get rid of the police, cut their budgets, fire the cops because they're all murdering black people, right? That was the purpose. It still is. The defund the police, the people who are still espousing that slogan and that policy prescription, uh, that's the purpose is to gut police departments, to remove police officers, to not have them. That's the defund the police movement. Then there's the more uh, general uh, definition of defunding, which would be, hey, you have a budget of, you know, X and you're going to subtract a portion of money from that budget. So X minus Y. And that now means you've defunded something, right? You were funding it and now you're not funding it. That means defunding. Defunding does not mean here, have some extra money because you might need it. 
That's not defunding. So when Republicans are like, you know what, I'm not interested in approving this multi-trillion dollar grab bag of goodies and giveaways to all of these special interests and such, like I'm not interested in signing on to that, that is not a defunding effort. It was all new money. Now, they trying to Democrats now are trying to make this argument that, oh, well, that does count as defunding because all these budgets were hard hit. Okay, first off, I'm not even aware of any police departments that were firing cops. Are you? Were police departments firing police officers over the last year? I've seen no stories about that. I have seen stories about cops quitting. I've done stories about cops quitting. That has been the reason why police departments uh, are seeing lower personnel levels, right? It's because cops are retiring early or they're resigning. They don't want to do the job anymore. They're also not having uh, people sign up as recruits, right? This isn't a matter of uh, police departments getting gutted because of a budget crisis. The personnel decreases have been due to policy and politics that drove cops out the door. So now Democrats are trying to pretend that it's the Republicans who are defunding them. It's it, it is cynical at best. It is psychologically abusive at worst. And the fact that she is up there saying this and then you got the water carriers like John Amato at crooksandliars.com that, that are making this argument that the Republicans defunded because they opposed additional funding. I mean, you got to hand it to the left. They really are shameless when it comes to just redoing, redefining language whenever it suits their purpose. They really I mean, they really have a penchant for it. I I do recognize their prowess, just like I recognize the prowess of uh, Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. They get houses sold quickly and for more money. They outsell 99% of the realtors in the entire state of North Carolina. She is the only agent Christy and I used uh, to uh, when we started looking to buy our house. And at first we were looking to build from scratch and uh, going over some of the numbers and the details and the uh, different types of mortgage products that were available. And, you know, we didn't know what we were doing, but we quickly realized this isn't going to work. Not for us and uh, in our budget. So we said, all right, well, let's shift gears. Now we'll start looking at existing homes. And yeah, then we realized like this isn't going to work either. These people want like crazy amounts of money and it requires like $50,000 worth of renovations on top of that. And we're not going to be able to afford that either. So uh, then we start looking at build to suit. And that's where that, that's where we ended up uh, landing. And Rowena helped us out, you know, telling us here the questions to ask and finishes you want to go for that may help with resale. Like all of these questions that we had going into a process we had never gone through before. She was very helpful. She and the All-Star Powerhouse team can help you as well. Give them a call at 828-333-4483. That's 828-333-4483. Mountainhomehunt.com is the website. Give her a call and then start packing. So uh, in this Crooks and Liars piece, just want to highlight some of the uh, the framing here because I find it to be kind of comical. Uh, so Ducey asked with a straight face. Pisaki replied evenly and reminded him. Ducey came back whining. <laughs> Pisaki explained and then drops Mike. The punch landed. Just that that's sort of the so you get the gist of how this is framed, right? Um, 
Republicans voted to defund the police when they all voted the American Rescue Plan down. This is what the narrative is. So, by the way, if you if you were ever curious to know what the Democrat talking points are in all their profound stupidity, go to crooksandliars.com. I hate to give them the plug for the website, but um, it really like it is just unvarnished uh, regurgitation of the talking points from the Democrats. And this is it is that the Republicans voted to defund the police when they voted against the American rescue plan. And uh, they go on to say that uh, young Ducey is an idiot for trying to somehow differentiate funding for COVID layoffs from funding police to fight crime. She went easy on him this time. So wait a minute. So now you're saying that the crime wave began prior to COVID? Is that what you're saying? Because she said in her other briefing, she said it was 18 months ago that all this started. It wasn't just from the protests and stuff. It started 18 months ago, which would have been before COVID started. So then it's the COVID layoffs. Oh, it's the COVID layoffs and the crime wave and the guns. Does it seem like they're they're scrambling to find some sort of a message on this? It does, doesn't it? Let's, cause there's a reason for why it sounds like that. It's because they are. Yeah, it's because they are. <laughs> That's why it sounds like that. Now, here's the other... Um, connected story here from the wash sorry from the new york times uh, progressives urgent question how to win over voters of color can progressives win broad numbers of the black and brown voters they say their policies will benefit most that provocative question is is one that a lot of democrats find themselves asking after seeing the early results from new york city's mayoral primary this past week in a contest that centered on crime and public safety eric adams who emerged as a leading Democrat, focused much of his message on denouncing progressive slogans and policies that he said threatened the lives of black and brown babies and were being pushed by, quote, a lot of young, white, affluent people. He's a retired police captain and Brooklyn's borough president. He rejected calls to defund the police department, and he pledged to expand its reach in the city. So here you have a Democrat who is poised as the front runner in the New York City Democratic mayoral primary, who is a law and order Democrat, former cop, saying we should be expanding the police. Black and brown voters in Brooklyn and the Bronx flocked to his candidacy. His appeal, the New York Times says, adds evidence to an emerging trend in democratic politics. There is a disconnect between progressive activists and the rank and file black and Latino voters who they say have the most to gain from the progressive agenda. As liberal activists orient their policies to combat white supremacy and call for racial justice, Progressives are finding that many of the voters of color seem to think about the issues quite a bit differently than they do. (laughs) This is, (laughs) I don't understand why they don't do what we tell them to do. This policy will help you. Don't you want help? Don't you need our help? We're progressive elites. We know these things. Live by these rules we're telling you to live by. It's for your own good an incredibly patronizing and condescending approach but uh, yes but they are progressive so it is very much on brand yes uh speaking of on brand real u.s military surplus that is the brand 
for old Grouch's military surplus. Real U.S. military surplus. That's their brand, and they, they do it well. They have been your source for this stuff for 30 years now. Tim runs the store now. It was his dad's baby. His dad passed away, and Tim has now uh, taken control of the shop. And uh, Tim is always out. He's at these shows, and he's, like, online all the time. He's constantly getting new stuff in. So even if you've been, you need to go back because he gets stuff in all the time. Like right now, he's got this uh, first responder kit. Uh, It's only a matter of time before you're going to have some sort of a medical emergency, either at home or at work. And uh, before anybody arrives, any first responder gets to you, you're the first responder. So being a responsible parent or responsible business owner means being prepared for these kinds of emergencies and the kit that he's got it's got more than 350 components inside every one of them so you're going to be prepared to handle all kinds of medical events from a minor scrape to a major cut broken bone and the kits are made in north carolina they come in a durable bright orange bag it's got reflective strips so it's really easy to see you got it at the workplace or whatever people know exactly what it is so you can able to you know run to it grab it open it up and find what you need immediately. The uh, kits are extremely popular with scout groups and sports teams and school groups and small business owners. So head on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde on Main Street across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So get this from the New York Times story about halfway through on issues beyond criminal justice data indicates that black and latino voters are less likely to identify as liberal than white voters as well but on this criminal justice matter the traction that some more conservative democratic candidates like eric adams have gained in black and latino communities threatens to undercut a central tenet of the party's political thinking for decades that demographics is destiny right Democrats have always been arguing like for the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years that, uh, well, you know, as white people die off and, uh, you know, uh, we have more black people, more Hispanics and uh, all these immigrants coming in, like they're all going to be Democrats because they're not, you know, those obviously white supremacists over in the GOP. I always found the argument to be racisty and I find it kind of ignorant as well you have a lot of uh people from central and south america that are really quite socially conservative (laughs) if you talk with them um and so for years they have said that as the country got more diverse and more urban that their party would be able to marshal a near permanent majority with a rising coalition of voters of color and by turning out that base democrats could win without needing to appeal to affluent suburbanites who are traditionally more moderate on fiscal issues. And the Democrats could all but ignore white working class voters. I mean, who cares about them? They tend to be more conservative. Uh, however, according to these uh, uh, these postmortems after the last election, a growing body of evidence indicates that large numbers of black and Latino voters may simply take a more centrist view on these very issues on race and criminal justice than progressives assumed. And so all of their efforts, it's kind of, it is kind of ironic. It's kind of just chef's kiss. Perfect. Right. That they spend all of this energy on this divisive strategy to racialize everything. And in the end, the people that they're trying to pit against white people share most of these moderate and conservative views. And so they're not interested in having that fight. 
surveys in New York City for this election found that black and Latino voters were more likely than white voters to say that the number of uniformed police officers should be increased in the subways and that they felt unsafe from crime in their neighborhoods. More minorities than whites say that. Fears of violent crime led some leaders in predominantly black neighborhoods to reject these efforts to defund the police that the Republicans were obviously pushing all this time. <laughs> yeah, this is how you know it's backfiring. This is why uh, the, the the New York City mayor's race, this is why you got Pisaki out there making these comments that it's actually the Republicans that have been defunding, that they voted against uh, this extra stimulus money that cities could have used to, you know, fill budget holes. That's That's their argument, is that Republicans voted against the stimulus money, this bailout money, and that some of the bailout money was earmarked to go to cities and counties and states, and that those jurisdictions could, at their discretion, fund budget holes. And some of those budget holes might be in the police budget. See, that's how many steps is like, you know, it's like it's like playing with six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. That this is how this is how you have to get there. Logically, you got to walk all the way down this path to get to this point that the Republicans are ostensibly defunding the cops, even though they don't control any of these budgets. They control none of these big city budgets for the police. There was a political autopsy that was co-authored by three different left-wing organizations. Uh, one was called Third Way, one was called the Collective Pack, appropriately named, and uh, the other one was called the Latino Victory Fund. And this political autopsy suggested that largely white progressive activists pushing a left-wing agenda on the party were blind to the ideological diversity within non-white communities. Oh, in other words, what, they ignored the people of color in their own party. Interesting. They had some sort of a white savior complex going on. Still do. Um, this is a piece at National Journal by Josh Kreshauer. And uh, let me skip to this last part here, I'll, I'll, and I'll circle back. In Jen Psaki style, the report's findings offer a reminder of one of the more revealing outcomes from last year's election. Women and candidates of color were responsible for nearly all of the pickups that Republicans had in the House. Republicans picked up 15 seats, and almost all of them were women and candidates of color. It is a reminder that Republicans' ability to diversify their candidate recruitment pool paid major dividends. Also, that the party's predominantly white male representation has been damaging to its political brand. Right. And I agree with that, by the way. I do. I always want and most Republicans and conservatives agree with this, too. We want to see more diversity in the Republican Party. That's always been a goal. How do you do that? without sacrificing principles and that sort of thing. And by the way, it's helpful when Democrats are getting dragged further and further to the left by the, uh, you know, the progressive leftist wing in their party. Democrats have the opposite problem, he says. They have succeeded in recruiting candidates who represent the racial diversity of America, but too often their political views are ideologically homogenous. I'd say that's accurate. I would say that's accurate. Um, this is also accurate, by the way. You get a free box spring when you buy a mattress from the Biltmore Collection at Mattress Man. That's accurate. 
It's true. It's part of the July 4th sale. Go check out the details at mattressmanstores.com. The Biltmore Collection, inspired by our very own local landmark, uh, is made by Restonic. It's got the edge-to-edge sleep surfaces. It's got maximum adjustability. It's got five support zones for proper spinal alignment, so you get optimal balancing of uh, pressure points and uh, support, uh, and so that all of this you know works together to give you a more restorative and a healthier sleep. And he's got uh, Synchrony Finance, which offers zero down, zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants. They have tons of other flexible financing options, and you can find out what you qualify for. You can pre-qualify, get pre-approved right now. Go to the website, mattressmanstores.com, and click on the financing link. And then you walk into the store, you know that you're already approved. Peace of mind, right? You don't have to worry like, well, I'm afraid if I go and check out, like, you know, I might not pass or something, (laughs) you know? Uh... You don't have to worry about that. You'll know exactly what you can afford when you go in there and what kind of financing terms are available. He's got five-star local delivery service. He's got nationwide shipping. He's got a 120-day comfort guarantee. Uh, You should experience the difference at Mattress Man, locally owned and operated, four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden. Mattressmanstores.com, buy local and sleep better. So back to this piece at National Journal by Josh Krushar. Uh This was from June 13th, titled, Can Democrats Embrace Diversity of Views? And he talks about this political autopsy, this postmortem that was co-authored by these three different liberal groups. And it says the report documents Republican gains with non-white voters in numerous battleground races featuring diverse constituencies, and that he says this should be a wake-up call to party leadership. Far too often, party officials have taken their cues on communicating with minority groups from activist organizations that claim to represent their interests. But the report suggests that Republicans made inroads with African-American voters in Virginia and here in North Carolina by defending the police not defunding them, defending them. They gained significant ground with Hispanics in Florida and Texas by objecting to heavy-handed pandemic regulations. And they won over Asian-American voters in California by portraying Democrats as would-be socialists. Which, yeah, if you are talking to Asian folks, particularly if they come from China uh, or South Korea, they're going to have a really good understanding of what, you know, totalitarian communist regimes look like. And so uh, they don't really need a whole lot of convincing. They just <laughs> they just need you to highlight, hey, look at what these people are doing. Does any of that look familiar to you? And they're like, yes, it does, actually. Quote, folks who purport to speak for the vast communities of color across the country are speaking for one portion of them, usually the highly educated urban elites or super online activists. Those people don't necessarily represent the views of Latino men who work in the oil fields, for instance. That's a quote from uh, the vice president of one of the groups that did this report called Third Way, a woman by the name of Lanai Erickson. Um, She told the National Journal, quote, what we have done is conflate urban white liberal views with the views of people of color and allowed them to speak for those people of color. The report lays bare the biggest political challenge for Democrats heading into the midterms. Their coalition is more diverse and it's home to more moderates than the GOP. 
On paper, it's a lot easier to move to the middle when the Republican Party has abandoned that middle ground. But Democrats are being held captive by a network of progressive activists and donors who demand ideological fealty on or allegiance on policy positions that are politically toxic to middle of the road voters of all racial and ethnic groups. Does any of this sound familiar? Like, think of it in a context of uh, Republican voters. This is what Republicans talk about as well that we need to appeal to um, uh, the middle of the road people, the centrists, right? That the Republican Party uh, is, uh, you know, is going too far to the right and they need to, you know, drag back to the center. So it's, I always say this, you know, people on the right and the left, they make very much the same arguments oftentimes uh, about themselves versus their opponents. Uh, The other classic example of this is that, you know, activists and partisans and grassroots people like they see themselves as belonging to a party an organization that is uh, like herding cats right that, that that they're not all organized unlike their opponents who are like a well-oiled machine man like they say something and everybody is on the ball liberals say that that is the republican party and conservatives say that that is the democratic party I just find that to be comical. They both think that the other guy is doing it better. Um, The report blames Democratic organizations for treating non-white voters as a unified block that just needs to be mobilized for the party to benefit. There's another way you can say this, by the way, which is that the Democratic Party takes advantage of these people. That's what they're doing. They take advantage of people. They lump them into one big block based on some characteristic like race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, right? They lump them into a big monolith and then they just think they can just mobilize them by paying lip service to some issue that they are told is the issue that that monolithic group is going to endorse. And they're relying on these activist groups to tell them what those issues that motivate the monolith are. The problem is that the activists are in the same echo chamber as the uh, the party elites, right? The reality is there are plenty of persuadable uh, persuadable voters of all backgrounds who don't appreciate being treated like a like-minded monolith, he says. So again, the headline on this piece was, can Democrats embrace diversity of views? And the answer to that question is no, <laughs> just in case anybody was curious. The answer is no, they cannot. There are litmus tests in the Democratic Party, and you don't get to be in the party or be popular in the party if you don't agree with these things. And if you doubt me on that, look at Joe Manchin, right? Who was the candidate? Was it, what, uh, about two years ago, maybe four years ago? Maybe it was 2016 when Trump ran, or maybe it was 18 in midterm. There was a Democrat who was a pro-lifer somewhere out west. I want to say, you know, Wyoming or something or Montana. And... um there was some Democrat and they were running and it was in the primary and they were like, I'm pro-life. And remember the head of the DCCC, um, trying to remember his name, was it Tom Perez at the time? I think it was Tom Perez. And he said, uh, you know, oh, there's plenty of room in the party for, you know, all people and all these views and whatever. And man, the left came down on him. 
they came down on him like a ton of bricks and then he had to walk it back and say well you know we're pro-life or we're a pro-choice party and you know women's right to choose women's health and you know said all the right things after that and i think that candidate ended up losing um not that she had much of a chance but no the the answer to that question is no they do not embrace a diversity of views the same thing goes for school vouchers We've talked with Marcus Brandon about this. Uh, He's a former Democratic lawmaker in the state, but he's a big pro-school choice guy. And he says that uh, the Democratic Party keeps working at odds, at cross-purposes, with this massive voting block that makes up its base. I've said this for many years, that if uh, African Americans voted like any other racial group, Democrats would never win again. Because they're too fragmented, they're not large enough, they, they would not win. And so, especially at a national level. Um, and so, like, at some point, this becomes a paramount issue. Education becomes a paramount issue for enough for a critical mass of voters inside the Democratic coalition. And they're in serious trouble. They're Because they're still anti-choice. Because the teachers' union, they're still anti-choice on school vouchers. Uh, because they're beholden to the special interest teachers union. They value that money uh, and mobilization effort over uh, their black constituents who are by and large for it. Same thing with voter ID, right? We went over that polling, what, last week that came out that showed higher rates of black and Hispanic voters support voter ID than white people do. Yet Democrats keep hammer in a way that this is some sort of you know racialized suppression effort here's another one abortion yeah on abortion this is a litmus test for democrats as well and here's a perfect example of it governor roy cooper vetoed a bill to ban abortions based on an unborn child's race or the presence of down syndrome It's his second veto in a week, his third overall this year. Quote, the bill gives the government control over what happens and what is said in the exam room between a woman and her doctor at a time she faces one of the most difficult decisions of her life, Cooper said. This bill is unconstitutional and it damages the doctor-patient relationship with an unprecedented government intrusion. The veto, according to Donna King's article at carolinajournal.com, prompted an immediate response from Senator Amy Gailey, Republican from Alamance, who said, quote, with a stroke of his pen, Governor Cooper just told North Carolinians that it's okay to discriminate based on race or disability as long as it's in the womb. This bill simply puts an end to eugenics. It shouldn't be controversial to protect an unborn child with Down syndrome. But Governor Cooper proves once again that he's unwilling to stand up for North Carolinians when his left wing donors demand his loyalty. And look, did this thing have a chance of getting past Cooper without a veto? Of course not. Is it going to get overridden? I doubt it. It might. But I don't think they're going to be able to keep Democrat votes uh, on board for this, um, especially if Cooper starts, you know, making phone calls and telling his Democratic uh, allies in the House and the Senate, don't you dare override my veto on this. Right. But abortion for a lot of black folks, this is a they they do not agree with this uh, position that the Democratic Party has. And what this bill did was it's look. At the very least, you want to just adopt a completely politically cynical view of it. Um, it's to jam up. This is jamming up Democrats on this issue. And good. Like, I'm totally on board with it. Jam them up. 
put them on the record, get them to vote for the things that they are for and get them to vote against the things they oppose. And we shall know where they stand on this stuff. And we're finding out that Governor Cooper and um, his Democratic colleagues and allies believe that you should be able to abort a baby just because it has Down syndrome. You should be able to abort a baby just because of the race of the baby. They're fine with it. That's all the reason you need. They're okay with that. And if you're not, vote accordingly. House Bill 453 cleared the General Assembly in a 67 to 42 vote in the House. It was a 27-20 vote in the Senate. Um, and so to override, you got to have three-fifths in each chamber. And uh, that means you got to get all the Republicans on board. You need at least three House Democrats. Um, now, they did have, in the House side, they had six. So they'd have to keep at least three of the six that so far supported it, which, again, I'm, I'm not sure that they would be able to do that. And then over in the Senate, they got no Democratic senators voting for it the first time. However, there were two Democrats that were not there. They were absent at the time. So maybe they come back and one of them is Senator Don Davis, who voted with Republicans back in 2019 to override a Cooper veto on a different abortion related bill. So maybe he's back and maybe he lends his vote to this. Maybe they can get uh, make uh, get an override approved across the country. According to Carolina Journal, six states have laws prohibiting abortions motivated by the race of the baby. Nine states ban abortions motivated, uh, motivated by the likelihood of a disability. 16 states, including North Carolina, already prohibits abortion motivated by the gender of the baby. So if you don't want a girl, you're not allowed to have the baby aborted. So that's already on the books. That bill requires doctors to attest in writing that the patient's motivation is not based on race, gender, or possible disability. So all this did was add two new protected classes that are already codified in anti-discrimination laws. And Democrats said no. That is a wrap for the uh, episode. I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. Remember, subscribe at thepetecalendarshow.com. I'll talk with you later, and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs>